Lasting legacy. The question I have for you today, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? Last week, our middle son got married, and one of the traditions that almost didn't happen that... Okay, so when my nephews got married, they started a tradition where all the the men in the family would gather around during the rehearsal dinner and speak a blessing over them. And I want you to understand stuff, guys. We're going to go by the Bible. A woman is not less than a man. A man is not less than a woman. But we're going to learn a term called complementarianism. And that means things that complement each other. And God made men and women physically different, emotionally different, and that is God's design. And I don't care what the government does, on their design, that is God's design. And so what I want you to understand, no, uh, God is clear in the New Testament that there's no one better, neither Jew nor Greek, neither man nor woman. But God has made men and women different. And one of the things God has designed is the man is the spiritual leader of the home. And what that means is, you can go to Ephesians if you think you're saying the man's better and he's not because the man has the greater responsibility of, of having the example of Christ in the sense of giving his life up, sacrificing for his family, and spiritually leading. It doesn't mean that the woman doesn't grow. It doesn't mean in situations where men and women are together and women are forced to raise their children, they have to be the spiritual leader. But God's design, and they complement each other. And so we had the men in the family say a blessing, and that started with my nephews, and it's a wonderful thing. And so we wanted to do that with justice. And it was just weird. It was kind of rainy. It's going to be an outdoor wedding. I wanted it during a certain thing, and we had to wait till everybody was gone after the rehearsal thing, and there was a few people left, because we were also waiting on some of our family to come, and so they finally got there, and we were going around giving the blessing. And one thing I want to share with you guys here at Bass Chapel, when we came here, we knew it was God's will to come here, but my younger children... Hadn't, hadn't learned the lesson that my own oldest child had learned on the fact of when God calls us, regardless of what's going on, we go with his will. And I didn't ask Justice's permission, but he's not here, so I'm going to step out on this one. But Justice has always been very easygoing, and when Heather and I told him that God was possibly calling us here, he had nothing against the church, but he was going to be a junior in the school, that he was at, he was the goalie for the team. And when we told him, he broke down and cried and we all broke down and cried, Heather and I. And then when you called us here and you all were excited and we were excited too and it's a good thing, I looked at the back of the room and I looked at his eyes and I almost just melted. Fast forward now, he wouldn't have found the woman that he married. He wouldn't have found double as many friends and I spoke to him on the fact of you learn the lesson of you go with God even when, as long as you have godly peace, even though it doesn't feel good. So that was what I passed to him. And then as we went around, different men passed things to him. And we got to my new daughter-in-law's grandfather. And he said, Annie, you have a legacy of your grandparents and Justice's grandparents and their parents knowing Christ. Now, just because I know Christ doesn't mean my children will or my grandchildren, but we train a child in the way this should go, and, and when they're old, they'll not leave that. And what that means is you're bending them towards God. They still have to make that decision. 
So I say all of that to say this, what legacy are you leaving? What are you bequesting to your children and your grandchildren? And you say, well, I don't, I'm not even married, but you're leaving a legacy. And you've got kids that are looking at that legacy. And so what we're going to see here is a part of the Bible I kind of don't like because we have a great victory right before this. And now we've got somebody that left a really bad legacy. And, you know, a verse that has driven me all through ministry, and if you want to write it down, look it up later. Obviously, I memorized it because I needed it, but 2 Corinthians 8, 11 says this, Now you shall carry this project through to completion, just as enthusiastically as you began it. Give whatever you have according to what you have. And man, have you not in your life, whether it's a job or whatever, you had a difficult place and you were moving on, but you had to finish strong. I'm going to use this as an example. I'm never going to be fake, but I really feel today I could go back to, because you guys count twice, so I'm going to say I've only ministered over 30 years in five churches, but I'm double dipping with you guys, I guess, okay? Because we went back twice. But I can honestly say that I think Heather and I could go back to any church right now, and I know for sure there would be a good relationship, not because I kissed up, but finishing well. Now that's not me, that's God, because there are some places I couldn't wait to get out of there. But God had me there to grow me and to grow that church and that godly peace. But 2 Corinthians 8, 11, now you should carry this project through to completion just as enthusiastically as you began it. Give whatever you have according to what you have. Because isn't it interesting to me how people remember how you how you ended more than how you started. Well, Gideon here has a bad ending. A legacy, a gift of will, especially personal property, a bequest, a testimony, a witness, and we're talking about a spiritual legacy, and to leave a good, lasting legacy, we struggle with that, and we choose either to be, give a forgotten legacy, if we think we're important, it's amazing how quickly people forget you, and boy, as a pastor, as soon as you tell them God's leaving, that's why I always waited till the last minute, because man, they all come out of the woodwork and, oh, all right, on to the next thing or whatever, or, you know, those kind of things. We have to understand what kind of legacy that we're, we're leaving. And so many times, you know, you're in the rearview mirror. That's forgotten. And so many people right now are living and their legacy is going to be forgotten or leave a lasting legacy. And so, what kind of legacy will you leave? And your action step is this, leave a lasting legacy. Again, I'm not talking about building yourself up. I'm talking about Rich Mullins, uh, who wrote Awesome God, said this, I want to be an arrow pointing to God. If you know Christ, that's the legacy. All I want is that they said, for me, he loved Jesus, he believed in God, and that's who I want to point to. We can see this with the life of Gideon. He, uh, you can go back and read this with your kids this week. A lot of you are familiar with this. But when you start looking at Gideon, we went from cowardness to courage. You know, you really take a good look at the first part, this background of Gideon. God had to not just literally hold his hand had to kind of kick him out the door to do that. 
Because here Gideon, they're, they're, the children of Israel are in sin, so God has punished them. We see this cycle of sin. And so I love Lucy. I always think of that episode when they're crushing grapes. You know, those of you are old enough, not look it up, okay? But you have Gideon trying to harvest wheat in a wine press. You don't do that. I don't have to explain the dynamics of it because wine press, wheat. Okay, why is he doing that? Because they're being raided, they're living in fear. So he's not being courageous. I'm not saying he's not being smart. And so God encounters him. God has to uh, draw him out. And that's us. That's probably me a lot of times. And so through the process, you can go back and read this, just trying to give you some background. Gideon at night goes and, and tears down the false god. Then he gets in trouble and his dad backs him up. And God keeps, I want you to understand this. A lot of us like, yeah, they just go out and did it and did what was right. But Gideon is more like us than not. God has to, like that feral cat that's out there that you put food on the stoop, which don't do that. We don't want him to come around there, okay? But then they start getting friendlier, friendly, and then they attack you in the middle of the night and get your jugular. But we won't get into that. Okay. But that's why I don't like cats. But anyway. Am I, so anyway, that's a little freebie for you. But anyway, so you got, you got God doing that to Gideon. Okay, I'm going to bring you along. So through this process, I think God really got the most out of it. Because now Gideon, I want you to go attack them. And he says, gather all the men. And then through a process... He goes from thousands of men to hundreds to a really small number of men. Why? Because nobody wanted to say, Gideon did it, but how in the world could this happen but God? That's the legacy you need to be thinking about. When they look at your life, yeah, they weren't perfect, but they loved Jesus and they pointed towards him and they passed it on. And that's what impressed me that night of what her grandfather said. And so he had victory. So we're right after this. I mean, you, go back and look at it. But God, you know it's totally God when he says you take these pictures and put a light under them. And then you get close enough with this small amount of men and you bust them and yell this. And everybody's scattering around and he, and he routes so many and he restores everything. The only way you could say that happened was God. And a lot of us have seen victories like that. And we're standing on the mountaintop. And 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, Therefore the one who thinks he stands, take heed lest you fall. When you think you've arrived, watch out. This is why 2 Corinthians 12, 9 always guides me. And a lot of times it's going through my mind right before a sermon. You know, Paul talking about his weakness. And he's going to boast in, the, in his weakness so the power of Christ might be exalted in him. And so now, mountaintop, the real challenge begins. And this is where we land on Judges 8, verses 22 through 35. The first step of, of, uh, of leaving a lasting legacy has to do with consistency. And we're looking at being inconsistent versus consistent. And here's what I want to help you with. Every time we look at Christians, we're saying, well, I saw them do this and it wasn't perfect. Get off that. None of us are going to be perfect and none of us are sinless. The question I have, are we consistent do we consistently do this? Do we consistently realize when we're in sin and seek forgiveness with God and others? Or do we, are we consistently, on the other side, inconsistent in our behavior morally and with God and with people? And so that was the starter for Gideon was he was inconsistent. 
So let's look at verses 22 and 23. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. I want you to stop for a minute. This could have been the first king of Israel. We're going to go on to Samuel and the fact of Saul and the fact that Israel rejects God as their king and he turns them over, they want to be just like the world, and Christians are doing this all the time. I want to rule myself. I don't like what you're saying there, God, because, like, let me use the statements on complementarism and, and what God's word says. We're really getting hit hard on this right now as Christians. And we need to clearly make a choice that we're going to go with the legacy of holding to God's word, not culture. And so he could have been the first king of Israel. They didn't talk to God. They didn't have a clear religious leader. This is Judges. All through Judges you're seeing, and each man did what was right in their own eyes. I kind of feel like that's where we're at here, in the Wild West spiritually right now. And if you go to Proverbs 16, 25, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And common sense is ruling a lot of stuff. And so they've had a victory, Bravo to Gideon. He said no. He knew God was to rule our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You need to make the choice to get off the throne of your life every day, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and, 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 and let God rule your life. And you have to do that every day. Because every day you're going to have people like this saying, hey, good job there. Why don't you take over? So, he had a chance to be the first king to rule in place of God. And the choice, and, and here's a couple of your feelings on the word legacy. A choice we have to make every day is to leave no room for temptation. That's hard. Adam and Eve, Jesus, we're all tempted. You need to every day say, whatever God says is the way I'm going. Well, I don't know what God says. Well, here's the deal. Why do you need to be reading your Bible? Why do you need to be learning scripture? I am not teasing. All the verses I learned were not to, I'm a pastor and I gotta learn this. No, it's like, I'm struggling with this and I've gotta get back to your word. Uh, this week, I had to do something I never had to do before. You know, I, I, I wasn't in trouble. Okay, but I had to testify in court, you know, and Larry, it turned out well, that DWI got out. No, it wasn't Larry, I'm teasing. I could do that with Larry because we're friends. Okay, okay. <laughs> Officer, it was me, not him. Okay, no, anyway. But I had my Bible with me. Obviously, I didn't pull it out, but the scripture I was looking at before that is, is Psalms 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Why did I learn that? Because a lot of times I want to say sarcastic, mean things. And at the wrong time. So he did the right thing. So you need to leave no room for temptation. In other words, be in God's word and God said it so that settles it. But another, another feeling, a choice, to, a choice to continue to only endeavor to seek, endeavor to seek only godly counsel. This is hard, guys. Because you're going to have... No, this is the children of Israel. So these are godly people 
that are giving him ungodly advice. Somewhere, somehow, there's going to be somebody that's a Christian that you respect, and they're going to go with what's natural instead of what God's Word says. It's rampant in our society today. Well, that might hurt somebody's feelings. Or somebody may not like that. Or I may be called something that I'm not. I've had to learn, 2 uh, Timothy 4.17, the Lord alone stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached completely through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And also the Lord protected me from the mouth of a lion. And the reason I learned that, if you go back up in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, Paul was all alone, but he had God. There's going to be a time, guys, that there's going to be people that you respect, they're good people, but they're going to give you not godly advice. And you're going to be, well, they know Jesus, they walk with Jesus. You know, sometimes I might get it wrong. This is why they checked the scriptures daily to see what the apostles were saying were true. But I want you to understand this, that you need to leave no room for temptation. And how you do that is endeavor to seek only godly counsel. And here's why I want to help you on godly counsel. If you have somebody that's a Christian and they don't say, well, what does the Bible say? Turn them off. Don't be mean about it. I love people in the churches that I've been in when we've had to make really hard decisions that people didn't like. I love those that were in leadership and those that, that are godly people that would say, first, what does the Bible say? You need to get that line in your mind. When you're trying to decide something, what does God's word say? doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter what that other Christian says. What does God... Because some way, somehow... We're going to start with common sense. Endeavor to seek only godly counsel. So inconsistently versus being consistent. Now greed versus giving. Okay? Let's look at verses 24 through 26. And Gideon said to them, let me, uh, let me make a request for you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil, for they had golden earrings because of the uh, Ishmaelites. And he answered, we will willingly give them to you. And they spread a cloak, and every man threw in the earrings of his spoil. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were around the necks of the camels. What's wrong with that? You know, Gideon helped out. First of all, it was God. And if you research Gideon a little bit more, he, he wasn't short on money. And I want you to understand, Gideon didn't take the title, but he wanted the influence. And I know he was a judge. I get that. He did not need the money. He got greedy. And this is 42 pounds of precious metals. That doesn't sound like a lot. It, well, whatever the price of gold is, that is a lot. 42 pounds. All right. You know, that you start thinking about that, okay? He didn't need it. I want you to understand, we do that a lot of times. This false humility, and we find it a lot in church. Don't look at me, but look at me. And so what we're seeing here, he had the best of both worlds. Don't give me the title. To me, this is like the, the person that's next to the president. We always seem to know whoever the president is, but whoever their chief of staff is usually the person hugely behind a lot of stuff. And so Gideon's like, hey, don't give me the title, but I want everything else that goes with it. Therefore, the one who thinks he stands, take heed lest he falls. He already was fine financially. He was being greedy and already had enough he wanted more, and so he gave a legacy of greed. And you, you see your next feeling, leaving a lasting legacy means to give ownership to God. 
Give ownership to God. 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19 says we are, our body is the temple of God. It is not our own, but the place for the Holy Spirit. And if you know Christ, you are not your own. And what we need to understand, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We're not helping God out at all. And everything you have is from God. And so we need to hold on to stuff loosely. And it starts by giving our lives to him. We talk about give your life, give your heart to Jesus. We talk about the heart because it's the core of who we are. And so we need to give ownership to God. Everything you have is not yours. It's God's and he's given it to you to be a steward of it. But don't be greedy with your life. Don't be greedy with your stuff, you know. Um, and so to, uh, here's another one for you. They just, this is the way the points land. We're still getting in the scripture, okay? It's just I tried to find good intersections. So to, get, <laughs> to give God ownership means to give all your heart to God. Your heart is the core. And I sit there and wonder, the older I get, God, why do I struggle with some things more? Because God is getting further and further in my heart and saying, you've acted right here, but you've got a heart issue here. I want this part. And you know what? I want to give it to him. But all your heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. And guess what? He will make your path straight. 1 Peter 3.15 talks about being a witness with gentleness and peace, but sanctify your hearts. If we, don't, if we don't do this, we face the choice whether to lead others away from God or to God. That's the next thing we're going to see. So Gideon asked for the money. He's being greedy. But let's look at what he does with this 42 pounds of precious metals. And Gideon, and verse 27, And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in the city of Oprah and uh, Winfrey, and all, uh, all Israel whored, <laughs> whored after, the, after it there and became a snare to Gideon and to his family. Okay, let's talk about the ephod. All right, we know when they were in the wilderness, God established the tabernacle. He had them build the Ark of the Covenant. And then he also had them do the priestly ephod, which what's interesting about my grandson, yeah, you couldn't get away with me mentioning something about him. Right now, he's on this kick where he sees anything with armor he goes, armor, which we see armor all the time. No, we don't, but he, the books he reads are about knights and stuff. And then I'm wearing a Mandalorian t-shirt, which shows how cool he is. And he sees the Mandalorian. You can look it up if you don't know. I'm not going to explain it to you. It's sci-fi and I'm crazy. But he points to it and he goes, armor. Okay, well, that ephod was not armor, but it was a breastplate. And it had 12 precious stones on it. This is the God commission for the priest to wear. And those 12 precious stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So why in the world, that already existed, why in the world is Gideon saying, let's make an ephod? We just finished Memorial Day. Great time to remember the men and women that have fought and died and continue to serve our country, that I can stand here freely today and speak to you. But Gideon, in the purity of it, was probably trying to make a memorial to say, this is what God did. Did God tell him to do that? No. Is it going to end up biting everybody? Yes. And so he takes all that gold and he makes a breastplate and notice that what happened. 
and all of Israel whored after it there. That means when we use the word whoring and all those kind of things, and you can explain it to your kids later, I won't go into detail, but the, basically you're either true to God, and if you're not, you are cheating on him with everybody else. And this is why the previous points that you need to only trust God and give your whole heart to him, because if not, you're cheating on God. And so they had the ephod, they weren't worshiping it, that God had commissioned, and now they had another one that was a memorial, and they were, they were following everything but God. And notice, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. This is why you need to always seek godly counsel, because we don't see anywhere here Gideon didn't ask the question, God, what do you want? Because God would have said, don't take the gold, you got enough. And God would have definitely said, don't build a false idol. And there's so many things that Christians are going after. Uh, and it's not so much uh, bad as it used to be, but in a lot of churches, there was a lot of ephods. Don't go into that room because we only use it on the fifth month, Monday of the seventh month. And that carpet is called sanctified and holy. You know, you think I haven't been there before. I've been in churches like that. I didn't say it was this one. And I've, I've been in churches that have plaque problems. I don't have any issue with people donating stuff and maybe putting that on there. I'm not trying to down anybody. I, I had a youth ministry office. It wasn't here, okay? And it was a regular window, and there was a plaque on the bottom of it. It's like, what? Really? You know? And again... I think memorials are good, You just ha and I don't have anything against plaques, but when it gets to the point where we're pointing to the person more than we're pointing to God. And this is what would happen with Gideon. He gave us victory, not God. He gave us something to worship, not God. Or we worship this area of our church or our building because it's just sacred. The church is established by God in Acts, and the church is the people of God. I'm not against a building, but it's not a building. And so this became a snare. Regardless of the reason Gideon's choice led others away from God because he chose to cover himself, uh, cover himself for his glory instead of God's. Who are you pointing to? Yourself or to God? Who is your legacy pointing to? It's about me, it's about my church, or is it about God? About Jesus Christ? And so, your next villain, to leave a lasting legacy, cover yourself with God's armor. Ephesians, 2, uh, Ephesians 6, verses 12 through 13 and on through 18 talks about the armor of God. And it really talks about the fact the only way you can stand against the wiles of the devil is putting the armor of God on daily. Helmet of salvation. Everything, God. You need to cover yourself with God's armor because guess what? Our glory, according to the prophet, is as filthy rags. A lot of you know the difference between white and off-white and all this kind of stuff, but there's no true white without God. There's no true cleansing without, uh, without Jesus' blood applied to our lives. So anything we're trying to clean up and act right, it still looks dingy. Cover yourself with God's armor. Um, he, didn't, uh, he didn't end uh, the legacy there <coughs> that he left. He didn't leave, it didn't stop with the ephod. Now he also left a legacy of immor immorality versus being moral. Look at verses 29 through 31. Jerubal, the son of Joas, went and lived in his own house. Okay, not much there. And now Gideon 
had 70 sons, wowza, okay, his own offspring, for he had many wives, okay, and his concubine who was in Shechem also bore him a son, and he called his name, uh, like that guy, yeah, okay, well anyway, I know, pastor needs to take more time, we got a book on that, but we got the meat here, okay, you figure it out, okay, but here's the deal, 71 sons, even if some of those wives had two of the sons, that's a lot. And God's not for polygamy. Well, he had polygamy in the Bible, yes. There's God's grace, but it started back with Abraham, where Abraham decided to go against God and help God out, not choosing his counsel, not the whole heart. And this is why we have the Muslim issue in other countries because of Abraham. This is why there's the, the struggle over Israel and struggle over the, 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 where the temple is. It's all because Abraham decided to go ahead of God. And so he takes Hagar in and fathers a child through that. And this allowed the sin, the legacy of polygamy. And so I want you to understand, Gideon had victory. He was on the mountaintop. Then he decides to be greedy. Then he decides to create an object. And then he decides to live a legacy of being immoral because conservatively, let's, let's go there, say he had 70 wives and a concubine. What was he teaching them? God's institution of marriage, one man, one woman for a lifetime. Eh, let's leave a legacy of women and concubines that may not know God that lead people away from God. And again, I always say God's grace is there for people that have had to go through divorce. God abhors divorce, but God's grace is there. But I'm talking about God's ideal. And so he lived above, he thought, and we see this a lot with people. They go for their own self-righteousness, and then I, you know, that's just for people that are, are simple or weak. I can do this, and I can control it. What do you do with 1 Corinthians 10, 12? Therefore, the one who thinks he stands, take heed, lest he falls. Why did I learn that? Because the devil constantly is going to try to get you to compromise and it's the little things. And I heard a minister speak a long time ago, and he talked about sin. And I actually heard it in a wedding I attended this week, where one string, you know, you put it, you put it on there, and you could break it, that sin. But the more you tolerate it, the more you compromise, then you become bound by it. Gideon was leaving a legacy that it was okay. This is why, church... I don't care what you do with me, but we're, I'm going to go by the Bible, and I feel you are, but there's gonna, there are so many ways that society and churches, and especially in America, are trying to get churches and pastors to compromise God's standard in His Word. And what legacy are we leaving if we don't speak the truth? You know, I could just go to Lowe's and forget the pastor thing, but I am doubly responsible for you by what I say and what I do. And if I speak lies or if I compromise God's truth, I will answer for that. And here's the deal. I don't like people being mad at me or upset or think I'm racist or prejudiced. I don't feel I'm any of those things. You can hold me accountable, but I'm going to go to God's work. And I'm going to hold to that. Because let's go back to the legacies that America... I'm going to pick on America. American churches are leaving very bad legacies, and they're leaving them very rapidly, and they're running from God's Word. 
And so this is why I want you to understand, this is not the pastor making an excuse for, hey, why don't we have a million people here? I go back to God can do much with little. And I go back to, we've got to understand we're in the end times. And we've got to understand that I don't think I'm better than anybody else. And I don't think bad, big churches are bad because there's good big churches. But God is doing a sifting. And that sifting is saying, are you going to hold to my word or are you going to hold to society? And I want you to understand this is part of the legacy. Are you going to leave a legacy that I am holding to God's word and following God? Because how is a lost world, and I've said this before, statistics show that a lost world can't see the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. That has to do with what legacy you're leaving. I'm going to go along to get along? Or I'm just going with God? That was the first thing we talked about. The, your first points was that your whole heart and seeking godly counsel. So he lived above it, and he lived immorally. We need to live humbly, and we need to live a moral life. And the more you read the New Testament, and you see James, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The, the, the more you read the New Testament, you see Paul talking about quiet lives of righteousness. It's not this big flash thing, but go back to the Puritans. The Puritans, if you look at them, are pretty boring people. You know, it's like they didn't have much fun, Okay. But the thing about it is, is they quietly, consistently follow God. That's what, the Christian life is not boring. But we need to leave a godly legacy. So let's look at the result of Gideon's legacy. You see this is in verses 33 through 35. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the bells and made Belberth, Belbertha, no, no, Belberth their God. And uh, the, the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubal, uh, that is Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. People remember more how you ended than you started. And this is what, I don't think anybody's family that follows God is any better than mine. But what got me about what Annie's grandfather said is there was a legacy of a God base there. That when those grandparents die, they know they love the Lord and they followed the Lord. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Oh, they were wishy-washy. They loved me, but, you know, they didn't really go either way, and that's great, but are you patting your family's back on their way to hell? Oh, pastor. I didn't say preach to them. I didn't say berate them. But love them, live a consistent life of following God, and when he gives you the opportunity that is a godly opportunity, point them towards God. And then guess what? Leave it there. Some of you are like me. I don't want to let go of that. they got to get it. And God's had to tell me, you know what? Just deliver it and leave it there. It's going to be horrible if they don't choose it. Pray for them, but you've done your part. His legacy wasn't lasting. He re they returned to their immortality. They forgot Gideon. If Gideon couldn't do it, how can we? And so I want to help you with that. Never think that you've arrived. I keep talking about 1 Corinthians 10, 12, but never think you've accomplished something or you've conquered something. Yes, we are more than conquerors, according to Romans, but guess what? In and through Christ Jesus. So never think you've arrived. And... Um, 
then next, look for a way to escape. The next scripture after 1 Corinthians 10, 12 is 13, and he talks about this, that he will always provide a way to escape. Guess what? You've got to choose to take it. And the more and more you don't take the ways to escape, and the more and more you don't develop good boundaries in your life, each string is added, and you have a legacy of compromise, and you have a legacy of self, and not a legacy of Christ. He's going to provide a way to escape. You've got to take it and then realize, like I said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that you're weak. Boast in it. So the power of Christ might be elevated. And remember, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's the problem. We don't want to realize we're weak. And that's where you've got to start. I can't do it. I need your help. We can only, your last fill-in, yes, he's going to get to it. You ready for that? Why? And whys are hard to do, so that's why it's always the word yield. Got you there. Okay? We can only leave a lasting legacy when we choose to totally yield to the Spirit's power. Ephesians 5.8 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then Ephesians 2, uh, Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. You need to understand this. I can't do it. Holy Spirit, help me. Stand if he tells you to stand. Run if he tells you to run. I feel most of the time you need to run. And not because I'm trying to be cowardice, but like you're in the middle of temptation, why would you stay there if God is giving you a way to escape? You need to yield to the Spirit's power. So the question I have for you is like that. What legacy are you leading? All earthly legacies will fade away. Only godly legacies will not decay. What legacy are you leaving? So today in this season as we have a time of invitation, how much are you leaving? How much room are you leaving for temptation? How many times are you saying, oh, I can handle that, or it's not going to hurt me? As Barney's Fife said, nip it in the bud. Leave no room. You need to ask God this week, you know, where am I giving in? Whose counsel are you seeking? Well, they're my family or they're my friends and they normally are right. Is it their opinion or is it God's? I'm going to be wrong sometimes. And without good accountability, I'm going to lean towards my heart. But my heart is desperately wicked, according to Jeremiah. And that God has to give us a new heart. And so you need to go, how much godly counsel are you seeking? You need to decide today. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to ask first, what does God's word say? And if I don't understand, I'm going to figure, I'm going to find someone to help me. Whose counsel are you seeking? And does God own everything? Some of you today need to take your yes of whatever you're doing and put it on the table. You need to put your life on the table every day. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you need to learn that, that, that daily sacrifice. And the problem with a living sacrifice, ooh, that's going to be hard. Somebody may not like me, or that's going to hurt. I think I'm going to get off this altar. Daily. Follow Him. And then, how about the armor of God? I, I can do that a lot. Oh, good morning, I'm getting up. Never think about, God, I need your help. Need to armor up. Because that's the only thing that's going to protect you. Leave a godly legacy. As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation,
What are you leaving? And I don't want you to get mixed up on the fact of how old you are or how young you are. Because everybody here is either looking towards a legacy or leaving one. And so we'll have a time of invitation. You can come and pray, whatever you need to do. But the goal is to leave a godly legacy. And the only way you can do that is through receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and following Him as Lord and leaning into that. Lord, I ask wherever everybody is that they would look at these areas of their lives and they would surrender them to you today. In your name, Jesus. Amen.